0: Hello, and welcome to Responsible, a podcast series in which senior leaders from all walks of life tell us about the experiences that made them and the wisdom they'd like to pass on. Today's guest is Christiana Shailza. Christiana is the chief executive officer of Prismian Group's Russian branch, a firm that manufactures and supplies industrial cables all over the world. Born in southern Italy, she moved to Padua for an engineering degree and then started her career in R&D for the tire manufacturer Pirelli in Milan. Since then, she has made it a point to take on giant challenges every few years, first moving from Pirelli to Prismian, then from engineering to marketing and sales, and then to lead one of Prismian's business units in Brazil before making the move to Moscow as country CEO in 2019. I met Christiana when I was asked to help support Prismian in their efforts to increase diversity in their senior ranks. Together, we designed a leadership development program for Prismian's high-potential women. Working with her was always a blast, and that program is one of the most cherished of my teaching career. I have always been inspired by her sincere passion for developing others, her optimism in the face of challenge, and how she finds success by leaning into the unknown. Christiana, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for taking the time to join me.
1: Thanks for this opportunity. I'm so happy to see you.
0: Well, I'm so excited to have you here because you have such an interesting and idiosyncratic career. And so I wanted to start today just by asking you a little bit about about your journey. You know, starting in Southern Italy, you've lived all over the world, you work in an industry that is not known for having a lot of women in it. Tell me a little bit about your journey.
1: As you said... I was born in uh, south of Italy and I did my study there. I wanted to be a doctor, uh, a pediatrician to be precise. But then when I went to the university for the induction session, I fell in love with inorganic chemistry. So I decided to enroll in chemistry. Then I I also wanted to be economically independent very soon, you know, modern girls studying and working and and, and then doing things that are giving you a work-life balance, very nice, very good and modern for you with some money in the pocket, but my mom didn't let me doing it. So I graduated very quick in uh, four years and a session. Then I went to Padua. Uh, with a two-year scholarship. And I enjoyed that city and the nightlife with my flatmates. It was a great time. And then, okay, decided, okay, now I can start working. And then I joined Pirelli in Milano as a material scientist in the R&D. So you remember, I am an r and D, I am a, a STEM woman. I started with material and then after a while, three years, more or less, I asked to join the technology department because I wanted to be in the factory, so to understand the process, to understand completely the product. But after three years, all the time, three, three and a half years is the cycle for me, no? and then I stopped that and they said, oh, but I'm missing market and customer understanding. So I left the R&D and I joined the business. I, I have been traveling thanks to my job all the time, but is it, one thing is traveling, but coming back all the time to Italy, and another thing is to live in a country. So I said, now it's time for me to challenge myself in different culture. You have been to Italy, so you know the Italian culture, the Italian DNA, but you realize it only when you're outside. So I wanted to challenge myself. I left Milano and I accepted the challenge in Brazil. So I went to Victoria and Rio de Janeiro for five years, from 2014 to 2019. And then after Brazil, the company was asking and trying to find a position in Milano. And I said, no, 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 I don't want to go back to Italy. I'm enjoying so much the world. So I accepted Russia. And even if many, many people, many friends told me not to accept it, this is one of my best choice because I really love Russia. I love Russians. I love their mentality. I'm not saying that they are perfect. Nobody's perfect. But there's um, a culture where I challenge myself and I'm learning so many things uh, that really I have. Th- I have to say thanks to them every day. I'm not saying easy, Celia. It's painful, but the pain is giving me big rewards. So here I I am.
0: Well, I I liked how the start of your story was about falling in love in university because you might be the only person I've ever spoken to who fell in love with inorganic chemistry in university and not, you know, less career viable (laughs) targets of affection. (laughs) And you also mentioned every three years wanting to set a new challenge for yourself. How does that work internally? How do you how do you not shy away from those challenges? Because there's research that shows that women are less inclined to lean in to new opportunities. It's more threatening. So how do you embrace them?
1: I think that there are two reasons. One reason is my mom. My mom is um, a wonderful lady, very reserved. Very polite, never aggressive. And she has been all her life underestimating herself. So she has been doing all the time what people wanted her to do it. And she has been all the time scared about showing uh, her emotions, her willingness, her desire. And my life has been all the time, mom, tell me what you want to do. Mom, please do whatever you'd like to do it. So I believe that my life, it is a reaction to that. So... I am here and I'm challenging myself every time thanks to the comparison, I believe. Thanks to the desire that I wanted for her and for me, first for her and then for me, because this is the second reason I love my life. I love life in general because life, it is, is for me, is the sole remedy to fear fear of everything, no? If you if you fear the darkness, you have to sleep alone in the darkness. If you fear diversity, you have to face diversity. You have to leave diversity because then you will understand what is it exactly. And then all your stereotype, all your ideas, all your biases will be, let's say, checked, no, understood and checked. So These two reasons probably are the driver of my development.
0: You mentioned that you had a lot of people advising you not to take the role in Russia. What reasons were they giving you?
1: That Russia was very difficult, that Russia... It's a terrible market and that Russia is far away from my country. Can you imagine? I have been to Brazil. Russia was like going from Milano to Pioltello. So for me, it was absolutely distanced, a relative, you now all the time. I believe that here diversity, the, the theme of diversity is, is there every time. No? Something that is different, it's something that you have to be scared of. And I don't know, I have to say that many of them were people important in my life. So they put it in my brain, the doubt, a little bit of fear, but I reacted. I quickly reacted. I was so convinced uh, about the job honestly, that I said, okay, I understand. It's difficult. Let's
0: try. Well, it makes me think that maybe they don't know you so well. If they're, if the reason they were giving for you to decline the job was that it was going to be a big challenge. I'm like, that's actually an argument that you used to take it. <laughs> you know me very well, exactly. Yes, yes, correct. What are the major lessons you've learned about being a leader from the three primary markets in which you've led? How does Italy differ from Brazil and differ from Russia, and what are the lessons you've learned in those markets?
1: There are many, many similarities and and many differences. The substance at the end is the same, is uh, the behavior that is changing. So there are a lot of differences, but a lot of similarities. So the, the substance, the base is the same. No? Business is business, project a project is the way to do business that is uh, uh, a little bit different. Italians and Russians are not so different. Russians are emotional. Despite all the stereotypes, uh, Russians are emotional And then uh, I would say Brazilians are much more relaxed, much more happy, apparently happy and much more living their life day by day without a clear planning, because they are used, unfortunately, to so many drastical change in the economy. So from one day to another, their currency dropping dramatically with the salary, not able to buy food for the following 10 days, for example, that they really live day by day. And then I need to say that coming from Italy to Brazil, this has been great for me because in Italy you say complaining about life so difficult so you need to plan you need to save money and you need to be sure for the future going to Brazil, they spend their money immediately, it's great. I mean, I had, I will never forget a case um, one of the, the girls working with me, uh, we paid the bonus one year so we paid this bonus and they disappeared Disappeared immediately after the payment of the bonus. They disappeared for 50, 15 days, so they planned a holiday. When they came back, I said, where, "Where have you been? I mean, you disappeared." And she said, "Of course, I had money, so I had to spend it. I had to enjoy life, so th- this is great." So it is—it's just the behavior that is—that uh, is different in Russia. Unfortunately, people are afraid of taking initiative and responsibility, but just because in the past, this has been traditionally discouraged, even punished. So fear, aggressivity are very dominant in the business aspect, but the generation the new generation is changing slowly, but it's changing. Understanding the differences, uh, looking to international companies more than Russians, or even changing from one to, to another to understand. So they are changing. So it's a big hope for the future.
0: Well, you're you're also, your leadership ethos is so antithetical to fear and aggression. You know, what is it like being a leader who, doesn't lead that way in an environment that can encourage that type of behavior.
1: When you are emotionally intelligent, you drive the emotional intelligence of others, no? And when you arrive in a place where aggressivity, it is one of the main aspect, it is in this situation that you really understand that it is absolutely useless. You, you need to be in the in the situation in order to understand, and then you learn that in Russian, successful people don't speak loud; they speak with a very very low tone of voice, and you recognize in this way who is successful or who is not successful. So it's 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 a fantastic, it's a, an incredible school.
0: So this is a podcast that comes out of the Center for Responsible Leadership. And one of the questions that is important for us to understand is how how do you define responsible leadership for yourself?
1: First of all, I need to guarantee, I have the responsibility to guarantee a stable condition for for the people that work with me. Uh, I have been to Brazil and in Russia as well. There are companies not paying their employee. We still have this situation in these countries uh, because They lost a lot of money. Can you imagine during COVID, this situation? So the fact that you need, you must guarantee every single month the return, and the salary for your people, because it's not your people, is your people, is the family, is the society outside. This is fundamental and it's fundamental to have an organization that is profitable. No, I, I joke with, with the team and I stress myself every time. I don't look to margin. I don't look to EBITDA. I look to the net profit at the end of, my, of money, how much cash we have <laughs> in, in our pockets. I'm joking. But this is important because I feel the responsibility to have a profitable and a stable company and business for, for our people. that is basic in other country and in some others still not. And then the responsibility it is the future of the people and and this is coming first for myself. I need to be motivated. I love my job. So my motivation and my energy is coming from my job, the perspective of my job, my development, and my growth. So as a consequence, I feel responsible of the motivation, the future, and the perspective of my people. So for my people, I think, okay, so for example, this one, okay, is growing well. We can take him for two, three years in Russia. Does he want to go abroad? Does he want to have an international experience? What about his family, the wife? Is he planning children, not planning children? So let's talk. And I have a lot of conversation. And I have to say... Thanks also to my South Italian soul, I'm very happy and very open uh, to my people. So responsibility for me or responsible leadership is to work for the future of the people because their future is my future. And, and this is the difference, the, the biggest difference that many people should learn, really. I can have success only if they can have a success. And this is something so simple, silly, I do not understand why people do not get it. So for me, responsibility is to see them happy with a motivation and a, and a perspective in front of them.
0: But that's one of the things I have noticed about you in our interactions, is the reason why it is confusing to you, I think, that other people would not, want what's best for their people is because they have a fear that that is threatening, that they might leave, that they might surpass them, that they, fear is a terrible motivator. It always motivates worse behavior, but you have an intrinsic openness and optimism that means that you are not threatened by the success of the people that you work with, which I think is one of the things that makes you a really great leader.
1: I love the success of my people. I'm so proud of them. I mean, Brazil. I give you example, Celia. If you ask me, which is one of your biggest success, Brazil. When I arrived there, R and D was fighting against operation, against the sales. There, there were some situation. Absolutely, I don't know. I cannot. I, I cannot say how stupid they were. And then after five years, I left the team that was one team all together. And and they are still like this, winning all projects in Brazil and writing messages to celebrate all the success. I feel so proud, you know. I mean, I don't have I don't have a fam- I don't have a daughter or a son. I don't have children because my body decided I I lost too much time. And then when I decide, okay, let's try to have a baby, my body said, bye bye. <laughs> you passed the time. <laughs> But, you know, I feel so proud. I don't know if it is my my woman nature or, or what what is, but I'm so proud of them. When they send me a message, when they call me, when they send the picture, this is the big steel tube com- coming out from your factory in Brazil. So proud of all of them. I don't understand really why it's so difficult to explain, because this is... A, so motivating, full of energy, full of joy, full of very positive things, and positive things are calling positive things, no Celia. I mean, come on. Here is negative, is horrible, it is um limitating, is closing, it's everything that is not letting grow. I left Brazil stronger. I I I came to Russia. I for sure, I will stay here. I don't know how many years. And when I will go away to some or somewhere else, I will be stronger and stronger. So this is something so easy for me, for you, I am sure, and so difficult for other people. I don't know why.
0: Well, you've also been a a huge champion for diversity in general and specifically for women in a, in a company and an industry that is really male dominated. How do you manage the sexism that you encounter on a regular basis? And how do you build resilience through that and change rather than having that eventually burn you out?
1: Awareness is uh, a terrible beast. <laughs> how we men how we how I managed the beginning I was not aware. Celia, I was not aware. I loved my life, I loved my job. This has been the main driver of my development and my journey. The love that I have for the job, for what I am and what I'm doing. So, I started my work and then I was achieving result and then cut in the catalyst, every success is a catalyst for the for the next one. And then you grow and step by step you realize that there are some barriers, but you do not understand this barrier very well. And then you start this journey and you start to see the different situation about you and your male colleague. And then... You analyze a little better behavior around you and this is painful, no? But again, without pain, you cannot grow. So how I managed at the beginning, I was not aware. I was not aware that language was violence. I was not aware that limitation of possibility it was because I was a woman I was not aware of many things no I I was thinking all the time it's me it's my limitation I have to do more I have to do better you know but then you step back and you start to look you start to read you start to talk all the conversation that we had and then you realize oh it's not me it's something else, oh great, and then when the awareness my the awareness on the topic gave me much strength, it was pain but after the pain, it was strength and force and determination and energy because you met with great women like you, Celia. We had very interesting situation and then we helped each other. And I saw you reacting to some situation. I loved your intellectual honesty. I love it. I love it, your consistency. And this for me was an example. And it was strength also for me in that situation. So the the, the the journey was awareness and strength and helping each other because women relationship, all the stereotype about women relationship. I'm I have to say even in Russia where women are great, it's for me some realities that I'm not living because I found along my journey incredible women.
0: How are are the women doing from the course that we we led together?
1: Ah, it's interesting, Celia. Some of them are doing well. Some, the major part, are surviving. And then a few of them, are, good, are doing very well. Some of them left the company because awareness is pain, but this is, uh, this is the price. And then uh, at the end, as I'm telling to everybody, also to my people, what is important is your life. And if you are not happy here, you have to go and you have to find your best situation and position in life. If this company is not able to satisfy you, I will do my best. If it is not necessary, if it's not enough, you have to go. And some of them left, unfortunately, yes.
0: So we've we've talked about Brazil as a big professional accomplishment. What about an obstacle you had to overcome? What was it what was a failure that you learned a lot from? Don't and not failure is the wrong word. What no, was it? Yeah,
1: it's a failure, it's a failure, it's a failure. Let's call it a failure in the R&D, in the R&D, Celia. In the R&D in Milano, I wanted to change many things, many things. But I was there with the feeling that I was not belonging to the R&D. And when you are not part of something, you can do whatever you want. You are not part of that and you cannot change it. You cannot change something if you don't feel to be with them, together with them. I'm a, a part of the team. I'm a part of you. I felt myself, no, I don't want to stay here. You know, I'm, I don't belong to here. It is too static. It is absolutely not moving. And I wanted to run and they were not moving. And so I wanted to change, but I was not part of them. So this was my biggest learning in life. If you want to change something, you have to be part of that.
0: Well, that actually is one of the most fundamental human needs, right? Belonging. And when we don't have belonging, it really affects our motivation. Let me ask you a few questions that I ask us just to help us get to know you better in a really quick and fun way. So I'm going to ask you a few quick questions. One is, what is your favorite work of fiction and why?
1: It's uh, the Dead Poets Society. I love it. I really love it. The, the teacher jumping on the, on the tables, you remember, and then the first time that you really need to say what you really believe and what you really want, despite what other people want you to do it or, or see or
0: think. That's so appropriate for you though. You are you are almost a jumping on top of the table, passion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. You remember? You remember? And you were so polite in that situation. And then we're saying, no, absolutely, this is absolutely wrong. What
0: what is your favorite word?
1: Yes, we can. It's true.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yes, we can. What would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now? a doctor, pediatrician, hmm. and probably
1: working in Africa with children.
0: Hmm.
1: Yes, yes. I, I have been thinking a lot to that. And probably when I will retire, I probably will help start up of young women in Africa. Something like this. To to help them, no? To use everything I have learned through my life for them to succeed. That that would be a dream, yes.
0: That's that's very Oprah Winfrey and her school for girls in South Africa.
1: Yeah. It's nice. Huh? I, I love it. I, I love to see young women, young women now and the future. I absolutely say young women are the future, especially Russian ones. They are strong. They are incredible.
0: What is your favorite life hack?
1: If you deal with people like me, yes, we can. Please do not say yes, but. (laughs) This is for me. (laughs) When people come to me, when I say yes, yes, we can do it. And then you see people in front of me say yes, but.
0: No, don't do this. That's actually the, uh, one of the first rules of improv theater. Right? In, in improv theater, you are never allowed to say yes, but you can only say yes and. Hallelujah. This is one rule that
1: we have to implement everywhere.
0: What is the best and worst advice you've ever received?
1: The worst was not to go to Russia. <laughs> and the best was the best oh so many really so many the best is it was my dad when my mom was trying to convince me to become a teacher and stay in the south of italy my dad coming to me and just whispering because he was afraid to say too loud and he said if you say no I will support you. (laughs) So so I follow these advice.
0: That's very good advice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What leader do you most admire?
1: Celia, I d I don't have a leader in particular. I have so many people around. I can mention Celia Mora during the diversity topic in in Prismian. I can mention many people all around. I'm 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 learning a lot from the people around, so I don't have one. I can say Napoleon because many times I feel like Napoleon going without thinking <laughs> because I I trust, I believe in this and I do it. I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded, I'm very lucky. In reality, no, because I don't believe in luck. I, I really believe that we select what we want what we don't want. So I'm usually selecting around me very good people. So I take advice from them and, and admire a lot of people around.
0: Let me ask you a couple questions about the future. As you mentioned, it's been a really hard year for a lot of businesses and any human who walks this earth. What have you learned the most through managing people and an organization, a business through the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: That if you are a leader, you have to manage your fears and your anxieties. Because in the instability, in the economic stability that COVID has created all around, many, many leaders were just, you know, reversing on you all the fears, all the, oh my gosh, what is going on? What is happening? So, this, is, this, this, this has been really a big problem during last year because many, many situations could, could be, you can manage very well if you just step back and you just say, come down. And this is a, a, a big learning uh, from person from my team as well. I have very good people with me that are just stepping back, smiling, looking to me and say, Cristiana, don't worry, we will find a solution. So this, I love it.
0: What are the things that keep you up at night? What are the things that give you a sense of moral conflict and how do you manage it when those types of situations arise?
1: What doesn't let me to sleep is that when we have a big overdue in the company, (laughs) people are not paying and then, oh my God, how can I do it? It's like a house, no? You know, money entering and money exiting, and the balance is negative. This is doesn't let me to to sleep. Again, it's back to the responsibility. It's back to the fact that you have to guarantee the future to people. So this for me, it's uh, it's it's really important.
0: And as one of the most optimistic people I know, what gives you the most optimism about the future?
1: During pandemic, I have been uh, participating in many different communities of women, especially in Italy. And I tell you, I met many, many young women in Italy. They are incredible, Celia, especially considering the Italian situation and the Italian situation in terms of diversity, in terms of gender gap you know, that you know very well how, how terrible it is. These ladies, the young ladies, wow, they are great. So for me, future is really pink. And in Italy, as in Russia, it's absolutely pink. I cannot say too loud because my people, my male people will kill me, will kill me, but it's is really pink.
0: I think that is a great note to end on. It's a really optimistic note to end on. And I know that my students and the people that listen to this podcast will love that message. Thank you so much for, yeah, for joining me all the way from Moscow, where it's 30 degrees. I wish we had that weather here.
1: Moscow is great. And I'm looking forward to have you here, Celia, because you have to come.
0: I would love to.
1: Thank you so much, Christiana. Love you. Thank you.
0: Responsible is a podcast from the Center for Responsible Leadership at Imperial College Business School and is sponsored by City. Created with audio and editing support from Jack Monahan and Robert Mootry, who are Pronk Productions. I'm Celia Moore. I'll see you next time.